Welcome to this new Triple V podcast episode, covering the most recent town hall. Hello, everyone. I'm going to wait one or two minutes for everyone to join, and then we're going to get started right away. And we will have two guests today. One is Leon slash exec, and then we will have Christian slash Squabba join us shortly as well. And I'm going to start with a brief update about the most recent announcement, the features which we have planned and why we have planned them and the reasoning behind some of the decision-making. And thank you once again for your support. Thank you for joining us today. I really, really enjoy always finding an audience each single Sunday and you guys showing up week after week and not getting tired of hearing me talk. <laughs> That's uh, very, very honoring. So, yeah, so the most important aspect um, about the recent announcement about the scholarship program, it has been the announcement which by far had received the most engagement and positive feedback by the community. But I also think that pressure of something being liked by everyone else makes it probably harder for someone to speak up who might have concerns. And I know there's, there's always a small percentage who has concerns about pretty much anything. Like no matter what you do, in, you know, no matter how you operate a community and no matter what you improve, or what you change, someone will always have a concern or a doubt or will have an issue with what's being changed. Because by nature, no one actually likes change. Like everyone always talks about evoking change and we have to change things. But then when something changes for them, you know, usually the, the first thing is some sort of a resistance and not necessarily appraisal. And we only had one person, and I, and I mean this in a, in a positive, you know, she did something positive, but we only had one of our whales actually raise or um, express their concerns. And that happened in the whales channel. And, uh, you know, I wrote a reply there, pretty extensive. And the, the feedback by, by the whales in general was super, super positive. And, and I'm very grateful that you guys, first of all, read my and that you you know you put your fault in your own replies as well and i'm very grateful that at least one person because i know that, that objection and those concerns have been around you know unspoken within some of the community members and i'm very grateful that at least one person spoke up but i also want to address not what she said but i want to address what i said just to give you guys more context and the context is beneficial for everyone even you guys who are excited about the, the upcoming changes, about the features and the expansion of BBV, even for you guys, it's going to be super insightful because it's very important to understand why certain decisions are made and then how that decision-making actually looks like. And, you know, the most important thing is that you guys, and by now this should be clear, is that, that I'm a man of my word. So when I see original value proposition is not going to change, then the initial value proposition will never ever change. So what we currently have 
the core utility where you hold an NFT and then you get free access to all of the investments which we arrange that's never going to go away. So that will always remain at the core of what VVV is and what our true value entails. But the reality of what we do is that it's a super competitive space and it's going to take time for the truth and for the right intents to prevail all your fresh VCs to get flushed out of the system. And then once they are gone, starting the next bull run, there's going to come another wave of the exact same, maybe the exact same people or, you know, different names, different brands, but doing the exact same thing. So, you know, we're going to be constantly confronted with people who do it, you know, the, the wrong way. And you don't just by default survive and strive just because you do the right thing. There's a lot more to this and you have to be dynamic and you also have to be aware of how the game is played. You have to be aware of the rules and you have to play into those rules and, you know, translated, that means you have to play into the wants and needs of a broad audience. Because if you always and forever stay the small fish and have your closed off circle, that might be super comfortable for the OGs, but it's not very helpful for the brand as a whole. And what always plays or what always drives my decision-making is the question, what is the best for VVV as a brand and what is the best for the community and what's best and what's best for the community, what's best for the brand and what's best for the community that always goes hand in hand. Because if you have a more powerful brand, that means we're going to have a much easier time getting the most in-demand deals. We're going to have a much easier time increasing the demand for the NFTs which you hold, which then means the value of those are going to go up. And you know that either indirectly or directly then also means that a feature like the scholarship program is going to be uh, more beneficial in the future. And... The reasoning why we decided, for example, to start with the raffles and, you know, how, why we decided to, to provide the whitelist giveaways in our service. Well, you know, none of these are things which I personally super like. It's not that I actually want to have the raffles. I don't want to have the headache of arranging the raffles. I don't want to have another feature for the brand. You know, it, it's not things which I personally want, but I, I don't let my pride or false arrogance get in the way of still doing what's necessary for the brand and for the ecosystem to strive and to do what's necessary to increase the value of the NFTs all of you guys hold. And that that's... Uh, in my opinion, it's one of the biggest strengths which I have because I will always do what's necessary and I will always do what's right for our mission. And that means that I'm not going to be the guy who lets his principles get in the way where we have to stick with one extreme and we cannot deviate from the path ever to make it either more accessible or to make it more enjoyable for a certain audience because my sole purpose is to please the OGs or to, to please the whales or to please a certain affection of the server, of the community. So 
the the big reasoning behind raffles for example is i i don't like the raffles per se but what i dislike more than that is having to completely exclude the u.s citizens for example so you know there's always trade-offs if we don't do the raffles then we will never be able to properly accommodate u.s citizens who are not accredited and to me it's worse to have to, ex to have to exclude them than to just have the raffles. And to anyone who doesn't like the raffles, I mean, you don't have, you don't have to participate in them. You, you can like literally just ignore them as if they don't exist, and then they are not going to bother you. And if you per personally, as a stakeholder, say that I don't want to have the raffles, and I don't think the brand should have the raffles, you know that's fine. But you still have to ask yourself. Why do you say that? And the, the, the truth behind someone having a strong opinion on this is because they personally do not want it. They want VVV to be something else. And that's something which is, and it is not a negative, it's just something which you have to be aware of. That's something which is driven by selfishness because you want VVV to be something specific and you want to, and I mean, you know, obviously I'm not talking to everyone. I'm just talking generally now. You want VVV to always remain that exact same thing where you get the most pleasure out of, uh, where you think you get the most value out of. But if we would only pursue the agendas of individual stakeholders, that would mean that we, we would at some point compromise the greater good of the project and of the community. So it's very, very important to understand that if I deviate from the core value proposition, if we decide to add on features like the raffles, like the wireless giveaways, like the scholarship program, there's always something to it. And whatever is to it is for the benefit of the community and of the brand. And there's regulatory reasons, there's legal reasons why we cannot always talk about every single thing. And then there's also aspects like insider trading, which I avoid at all costs which then also means that I almost always have to surprise the team as well with what I do. Because if I would tell them upfront, while I trust them, if they have the information, which they don't necessarily mean, uh, which they don't necessarily need, then it puts them in a, in, a, in a spot where they might either willingly or unwillingly share that information with someone else, with someone of the community. And then, you know, more people get to know what's going to happen then they play the market, they maybe buy the NFTs low and then they sell them high and then, you know, they, they exploit the, the, some sections of, of the community not knowing what's coming. So I much prefer that no one actually knows what happens when it happens and then I just announce, thing, announce things and no one has any advantage over anyone else. So the team knows just as little or as much as the rest of the community and in my opinion, that's the only proper way to do it. And, you know, sometimes the team with, with, with the right intentions, they ask me for maybe for a favor or, you know, for something which I could potentially do for them. And I always tell them no. And not because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bad person, but because I know that even the slightest step into the realms of nepotism is the very first instance where you're going to potentially corrupt your brand and where you're 
corrupt your integrity. So it's a, it's a very tough way of doing things. And it's, you know, again, a, a lot of credit goes to the team for, you know, for never getting upset or hurt by, by me doing it because they, they do understand why I do these things and, and you know, why there's some trade-offs in, in terms of them not actually knowing what's next and where we are moving. But they know intrinsically that we always move into the right direction and that all the decisions are always made on the basis of what's best for the brand, what's best for the community. And that's the one thing which I will never, ever compromise on. And you guys don't see all the DMs. You guys don't see all the people and projects and communities reaching out to me. But I have, like, literally, I get offers daily for pages, for giving you guys whitelist spots for, you know, a project which then pays me for raising money for projects and then getting a, a cut from them for the money that is being raised. And, you know, there's so much, so much shady, so many shady things going on where it would be super easy to, you know, to, to bend and, and give into that. But it's, you know, that's the one thing which I personally can always rely on because, you know, I will never ever compromise because VVV to me is my life's work. And I, I shared this in the Wales channel. I do have a five and 10 year plan for VVV and the steps are already clear. It's already clear what has to be done. And it's also clear when these things have to be done. So, you know, to you and to the team, sometimes some of those new features or topics might come as a surprise, but all of them play into the grand scheme and into the, the, the greater vision which we have. And, you know, regardless of your personal liking of some of those individual features, I can guarantee you, if you just stick around, all those things will play out in your favor. Even if you don't like the raffles, even if you don't like the widest giveaways, or if you don't like the scholarship program, you know, I think you can probably live with those features if you still have access to the core value proposition and if the brand grows stronger, if the community grows stronger, and if you now, as a result, have access to even better deals and to even bigger allocations where you don't have to struggle and first come first served. Now your NFT also increases in value and you're now sitting on a bunch of money. You have access to all those in, uh, allocations. Those allocations then yield returns. I mean, you know, my hope is that once everyone has to weigh their money because it's too much to count, then, you know, you're probably, you don't probably don't mind that there's one or two features, which you, which you're not the biggest fan of. So again, I, I just want to reassure you guys that, you know, that there's a lot more to all those single decisions and it might not seem like a big deal, the scholarship program, but as I teased in the announcement, we are considering, um, you know, doing something with Solana, for example, and all of these things are going to unlock realms of what we do. And and I, I'm being, you know, I have to be cautious with how I phrase things, but all of these steps are going to unlock realms which so far have not been explored by any of the other VCs, where they might do something similar, but they do it in a very archaic way, which is super 
like where the usability is very low and where the utility is almost non-existent. And we do, we're going to implement a lot of those things in a way which make them super dynamic, which make them super fluent, and which is going to exponentially increase the value for VVV. So, you know, just stay tuned. If you're one of those uh, persons who don't appreciate change too much, then, you know, don't worry. You will still have access to the exact same things. You can stick around and take advantage for your, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but, you know, you can just stick around and selfishly get your money into the best allocations, which you deem the most attractive. And I'm completely fine with you doing so. I don't need uh, accolades for what we do. It's, again, all for the greater good of what we're building. And, um, you know, to me, it's maybe as a, to, you know, to, to get to the point here, I would be very, very appreciative if you guys still also raise your negative viewpoints on any of the features, or any of the steps we take. It's very, very important to have those discussions out in the open. There's nothing is off limits in VVB. There's no question which you guys cannot ask me. And there's also, there are also no data points which are um, being hidden from the community or whatever. The, and I'm not sure if we have posted the, the sheet yet, but the, the salary payments to the team members, all of that is public. Every single aspect of VVV is public. And this also, again, is the thing which makes us invincible because you can leak all my DMs, all my Twitter inboxes, all my emails. You can leak everything today and nothing will change because like literally everything I do is always known and there are no secrets there's nothing which one person knows which the other person doesn't it's literally all out in the open and i think that's uh you know i haven't ever seen any project do it this way and i've seen a lot of drama going on in other communities and i think always being super transparent with every single step that's the the right the right way to do things and the only exception to that is when I plan something which would have either implications on the value of the NFTs in circulation or if it's something which is going to have uh, regulatory or legal implications, then I'm not going to talk about it with anyone and I'm not going to tell anyone when something happens just for the sake of preserving the integrity of VVV across all layers. The, I never want to be in a position where the, there's the slightest chance of anything happening, which is going to even put one single person at a, at a disadvantage. So that being said, um, Squabba, if you are around, I would suggest that you request the permissions to speak just so that we are set up um, for the next segments. And then before I hand it off to Exec to ask him a few questions about his work in the academy, um, just some further insights into what I've been doing in real life. I've been, um, so I moved to Marbella. So currently I'm in Marbella and I've networked with, uh, with a variety of very, very impressive people. And I've also invited a couple of them to join us in our weekly 
alpha hour sessions. And what you're going to see um, over the course, it's probably going to start after them. And I'm not sure if we, we can arrange it beforehand, but what you will see happening in the next couple of weeks is that we will have um, frequent guests in the weekly alpha hour sessions. And these guests are going to be mainly millionaires. And amongst those millionaires, there's probably going to be uh, one or the other successful UFC fighter as well. Because there's, there are many implications between being, being a good fighter and having that mindset and being good in business. There's a, you know, a lot of implications and a lot of learnings which you can take away from hearing either side. So we're going to have a couple of visits by some super, super su successful people. And they are super smart. They all have the, the highest level of integrity. They are extremely humble despite being incredibly impressive people in real life. Um, they, the most um, astonishing thing to me was how humble these guys are. It, it's really you know, an impressive, impressive experience talking to them. And I, I think hearing them talk, especially in the context of success and the educational system and what we do in the academy, that's going to be super beneficial to you guys because many of them share traits of the people which we study in the academy. And they all also share the same viewpoint that just making the money is not the thing which is going to lead you to a better life. And, you know, the past couple of days, we all, we've, we've all seen the, the posts about the Aptos, Airdrop, and now every, every influence is making an airdrop thread and is telling you on how to get into the next airdrop. And the thing which you need to realize is if you, if you, if you chase freebies, if you start chasing those airdrops, if you spend a lot of time doing your research on how to get an airdrop and then you have to play a stupid game to qualify for you know, an upcoming uh, cryptocurrency airdrop or whatever. I mean, you're literally wasting your time. And you're not just, you know, even if you get lucky, even if you make 10K or 20K or God knows, even if you make 50K, there's nothing which you actually take away from going through those different steps and, you know, completing stupid tasks like that. There's nothing of substance which you're going to take away. And the money which you make is going to be spent at some point anyways. So the money is going to be gone anyways. So there's nothing which would have any notable impact on your life. You're, you're 100 times better off and I'm not just promoting the academy now, but you're a hundred times better off diving into some educational resources, which you know can evoke lasting change in your mindset and can hone some skills which you need to make money and then actually leave you with a better character and which allow you to build and grow a character of substance and not just be another one of those guys chasing the next airdrop and then you spend three hours researching the thing and then you get an airdrop of $50. I mean, it's just a complete waste of time. And, you know, I, I said this now a couple of times, even people who win the lottery, who win $5 million or $100 million, like all of them they end up broke again. And there's a, a strong reason why that happens. And you will see once we talk to those millionaires and once they share their life stories and they share some insights and their viewpoints on money, it's literally the exact same thing. They only got rich once they had those traits 
which allowed them to actually be rich and operate in life like a successful person. And no successful person on, on earth is going to chase freebies or airdrops. Like literally no one in their right mind who, whose time has any worth would even consider doing that. It's, it's literally a, a poor man's game. And if you continue to play those games and if you're continuing to look for the easy solutions, that, that's the, a sure way to stay poor forever. It, it, it literally, and it, it sounds so esoteric, but it, it all starts in the mind. And that's why we have the academy, because unless you get your head screwed on, your head screwed on straight, you, you will never ever see any life-changing gains, like they say in, in, in crypto Twitter. Like even if you, you know, even if you have a, a thousand eggs from Snickerdoodle or whatever, unless you actually get your mind set up the right way as well, that's not going to change your life. Uh, as sad as it is to hear, but especially if we if we look at the recent messages in in our court section in the server, there have been a, a couple of people, and all of them are not associated with VVV, so all of them have been out of a. Uh, another community, but there have been people dying to get refunds of some of the investments which they made six months ago, and it, it's it's you know minuscule amounts of money. Like it, it's some some is three dollars, the others a thousand dollars, right? It, it's not it's not any notable amounts of money. But these people have literally died to get a refund and get the money back because they have run out of money. And all of these guys are people who sat on a specific NFT six months ago, which at its peak was at least worth $200,000. And they all, and they, so first of all, they all sold that NFT. So they all, you know, at least made some profit from that NFT, whether that's 50K, 100K, 200K, I don't know, but they all made a substantial amount of profit from that specific NFT, yet just six months later, they come to us, uh, they come to me because I, uh, I arranged something in that community in the past, and now they ask for a refund of 300 bucks. And it's, it's a never-ending cycle. Unless you manage to break out of that cycle mentally, you, you're just going to end up back in it again. And that's the, yeah, the, the most important takeaway which, which, which you can possibly, possibly have. The, the money alone will not change anything in your life it starts with changing your mindset and that's why we have the academy that's why i'm going to keep doubling down on the academy we're going to expand on what we currently do and we're going to shift into a, a video format on youtube as well that's also going to happen after the mint because it's going to require some resources and time to set it up in a professional manner but we're going to keep doubling down on that because it's such an important aspect and it's also one of the as one of the aspects which are so much appreciated by the guests which we have for the AMAs with projects. So one of the most exciting AMA which is coming up is obviously the one with Nillian on the first of November. And these guys would not give us the time of day and unless they knew that we have by far the best audience in the entire space. These guys have only done one single AMA so far. And it's, it's one of the projects which, which is by far the most difficult to even talk to. So, you know, it, it, it is, uh, and I would lo love to use a curse word here, but it is a big deal for them to show up for the MA. So, and 
you know, please, if you guys somehow can make time to show up for the MA, please do so. I can promise you that. Uh, well, let me rephrase. I can't promise you anything, but you know, let's just show up and then we will see what happens afterwards, right? But you know, it, it's going to be worthwhile listening to these guys, and then whatever happens afterwards, I'm going to make sure that the guys being supportive making time for the MA that they're going to get something out of it. So with no further ado, um, Leon, if you wouldn't mind giving us some insights into uh, your work for the VVV Academy as a mentor, you know, you, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how many homework submissions you've gone through by now, but I, I mean, it must be a couple hundred. So, you know, you're probably the, the one person with the, the, the best insights into our students' minds and where they get the most value out of. So maybe you can just give a brief introduction, um, you know, maybe how you came about to join VVV. And uh, what's also very interesting, I think, for the audience is how old you are. And, um, you know, full disclosure, Leon was one of the guys who had a perfect score on Shark Test 1. So despite his young age, it was very, very apparent that he had the right mindset and in many of the internal interactions I, I, I see a lot of resemblance in him of how I was when I was younger so you know there's um, I think there's a lot of a lot of things which we can learn from exec because he's uh, super high energy and he has that shark mindset and I think his viewpoints especially because he doesn't have the baggage some more experienced people have you know his less biased viewpoints on certain things are very very inspiring and uh, i'm very grateful to have him as a mentor in the academy um so leon just give us a, a brief intro how, how did you come to vvv yeah thank you what makes what makes you interested in the academy um so firstly thank you for having me it's really exciting for everyone that doesn't already know me um, I'm Leon. I'm also known as Exec. I first became a, a shark in VVV and then started to work as an academy mentor. Um, in my life outside of VVV, I'm a software engineering student. Um, I'm 21, by the way. Um, and I've really been obsessed with personal development for many years now, since a very young age. And I, I definitely say it's a huge passion. So working for VVV in this role is really, it's, it's really a, a, a dream to, to come true. Um, and not only in the, in the regard that I love those topics, um, but also in the data regard, because obviously as a software engineer, <laughs> you love data. Um, so I've, I've built an extensive uh, academy leaderboard. Uh, we collect a lot, uh, a huge amount of data and analyze it maybe some tiny insights. Uh, we, have, uh, we are coming to 760 reviewed homeworks now, um, and we have over 280 individual students, and we, we analyze it in, uh, um, based on many different factors. Maybe some, some words on the academy itself. I think it's one-of-a-kind opportunity, uh, not only in the space. I think it's generally a huge opportunity um, and I think everyone should use that opportunity very wisely because personally 
Uh, I think what's going on uh, nowadays is very dystopian, especially what's happening to our youth. Our rather primitive brains are not at all uh, made for the immense sensory overload that we can get access to nowadays. Um, so the, the attention span is dropping rapidly with things like uh, Instagram and TikTok. The performance is dropping and mental health is getting a bigger problem every day. So among these factors, and especially if you want to be a high performer, I think uh, to practice self-development and especially in the academy that kind of takes you along um, is extremely valuable. And I see this very little in, in real life. Uh, it's, it's extremely rare for me to come across someone, uh, for example, in my, in my uni, um, that actually puts work into self-development, not even to talk about write, writing down their goals, right? So it's a huge opportunity. I use that opportunity and it's going to be a huge uh, advantage. And one thing which I want to add is if you compare VVV to any other project out there, if you want to get whitelisted for, you know, whatever project is, is, is giving away whitelist spots, they always make you do things which are beneficial to them. They always make you do like retweets and, you know, stupid tasks, right? Like the, the same thing with, with the airdrops, like literally things which have no intrinsic value for you as an individual. And what we do in VVV, we, and, you know, it's, it, it, it I'm using the wrong words now. So it's not, it's not sounding as good as it, as it actually is, but, you know, we make you do homework and we make you at least consider things which potentially could improve yourself. And all we get out of it is a huge, a huge uh, mountain of workload of, you know, Leon just said it, over 700 homework submissions. Like all we get out of it is a huge amount of work. And there's nothing like which we personally or which the brand itself like gains either monetarily or in terms of exposure. Like we literally force people to work on themselves to improve their own lives. Like there, there's nothing, there's, there's no logical reason why we would want to have the academy other than, and I said this before, other than we prefer to not be surrounded by brainless idiots who just follow the herd blindly. You know, for us, it's obviously a, a way to, curate a, sort, a certain audience. But again, it, it's something which primarily benefits you as an individual. So it, it's very, very important to, to point out these differences because you know, it starts very, very in a very nuanced way where we don't even allow you to do something which is not benefiting you as an individual to get a whitelist spot. Like anything which you do is something which eventually is going to improve your own life. So, you know, that's a very big different differentiator, which might not be as obvious because you know, on paper, it's still just another task which you have to complete for a whitelist, but it's very different from the engagement crime and all the other crap which you have to do in other projects. You actually get something out of it. And even if you, you know, even if you pick someone who is very close-minded and you make them complete lesson one and two. And it, it doesn't matter how far off they are already, you know, in the whole of, um, you know, 
being too deep into the system and in the conventional education system, they will still have some beneficial thoughts evolved from going through those lessons because it's almost important to be like completely and utterly ignorant and not have any benefit from actually going through the material. So Leon, what do you personally think is one of the most valuable lessons which we currently have in the academy? So I personally love the Walt Disney homework and I love the uh, backwards bicycle homework. Um, those are two of my favorites, I, I guess. And what do you see the students, like what's the main thing which the students get out of completing the lessons? Because there's obviously always like, you know, a plethora of different questions for each lesson. But what do you see in, the, in, in terms of the thought process? Someone doing lesson one and then going all the way through until lesson nine, for example. Like, does something change in the way they approach those lessons? Uh, so they start to approach the lessons in a way that actually benefit them. So they, they start at the first lesson and, and answer them kind of just what gets in their head. And after a few lessons, you kind of notice that they really try to take out what is beneficial to them and answer it in a way where you really can see that there's some self-reflection uh, going on. And that makes sense. I think initially it's like a, because I, you know, I deliberately used that word, we, we force them to do something, right? So initially it's like a, a chore which you have to do and you don't really like, you know, understand whether or not that's something which is actually like beneficial to you, right? So you just come in and you just do it for the sake of having, you know, having it done, right? But then what's also very interesting is that, you know, you get the whitelist spot at some point, right? So let's say you do, um, you know, three lessons and then you get whitelisted. The most interesting part is that people still keep doing the homework where, you know, now you, you the incentive is gone because you, they already got rewarded, but now they still keep doing it. And then we have enough people who completed all of the lessons who are now at, at lesson nine. And then, you know, they keep asking when, when is the next lesson coming? So despite they're not you know despite there not being any incentive anymore people keep doing it and people keep asking for more because it's much more than you know just getting the whitelist or just getting you know a reward it's really the the reward which you reap in terms of your personal growth that that's you know that's so much more worth, worthwhile than any of the rewards which we could potentially offer you yeah i i agree and I think um, the reward you get for participating um, is actually like imagine you could write down your goals and make them come true instantly. And I see the academy as a tool to provide everyone with the, with the tools they need to get from that point, from writing down their goals to actually achieving them. Because you need to know what to do to actually make them come true. And this is the academy for me. And that's a way bigger incentive than having a whitelist spot. Yeah. And, you know, what I think is a, a good way of how we do things is that, you know, 
and again, this this comes this this goes back to one of the concerns which have been expressed um, by that whale, for example. So, the the question becomes: once we have the raffles, for example, and we might be attractive to a bigger audience and maybe to more of the you know degens in the NFT space, then the question is: well, if if we in, you know if we expand the audience, how can we ensure that the quality of the community which we currently have remains the same or even improves, right? And then one way to do it is you have the, the whitelist which we give away, for example, which then start off to be just the regular phase three whitelist, you know, which give you a 65% discount, which is already a, a great deal, but everyone knows that there's the diamond fin whitelist role, which gives you the 80% discount, which then makes minting even more of a no-brainer. So now obviously everyone wants to get the diamond fin roll. And one of the easiest and most straightforward ways to do so is by participating in the academy. And currently we have set up the system in a way where we keep a leaderboard of all the students. And then we have our three mentors, Exec, Squabba and Raigai, and they create the homework which gets submitted by the students. And then you get uh, different points associated to the homework which you completed. So now we have a, a point system where if you do excellent homework, then it's enough to complete maybe two to get the diamond fin roll. If you only treat the homework like a chore and you don't really give it much effort, then you're going to get less points for the homework you submitted. But you're still going to get the, you know, the diamond fin roll after you've completed four or five lessons, for example. But, you know, the more fall and effort you give it, the sooner you're going to get rewarded. But the more thought and effort you put in, that's also, you know, um, congruent with how much you actually personally get out of doing the homework. So it's a super synergistic way of doing it. But coming back to the point, someone who completes the homework and someone who actually puts thought in what's being taught in the academy by default, that person is going to become a good community member because he is now actually using his brain and he's growing and he or she is looking at things differently and actually, you know, slowly but surely becoming a valuable member of the community. And then the, the big upside which we have with the staking of the NFTs which are being minted is that, you know, it more or less, you know, makes people stick around for the time the NFT is staked, right? Even if someone just came around to flip the NFT, they mint um, in November with an 80% discount and then they, you know, their sole intention is to sell the NFT after 12 months for profit. You know, that's completely fine, but they probably will not abandon the server as a whole. You know, they, they have a stake in what's going on, so they will every now and then check out what's happening, right? And then they will say that they will see the progress we are making. They will, they will see the opportunities which we arrange and they will see the culture which we have in our chat where we have super, super interesting conversations and discussions. Like it's very different from any other server which I've seen. And inevitably someone will spend some time in the server and the likelihood of them being drawn into the community, I think is rather high. So even if someone comes in with maybe bad intentions or only selfish interest, it's very, very likely that they will eventually, you know, 
getting get drawn into the culture which we have and they will you know add value to the community which we have and they will also benefit as an individual by not wasting their time in you know auto servers who are only posting gifs and you know making jokes and talking about things of no substance so i think the entire i think we've done an excellent job in setting the infrastructure up in a way which sets the incentives in the right way and where it's you know it would be very difficult to like have so many people come in and completely dilute the quality of the community i, I think you know that happening is like that chance is close to zero uh, i don't think that that's possible like anyone and i've seen this you know we've we've in the past couple of days we've we've probably gotten like a couple hundred new members and everyone is super professional when they come in and they be, they behave differently because they see everyone else behaving differently so there's very positive peer pressure where if no one else is behaving like an idiot why would you come in and behave like an idiot you know you see everyone is using their first name as their username everyone is conducting themselves in a specific manner you know no one wants to like come into a new environment and completely embarrass themselves like everyone has been writing their introductions in a very well thought out way everyone has been very polite and humble uh, you know i see us doing everything in the right way and this is not to for me to take credit you know, all of this goes back to the core community living and breeding the right culture and setting the tone of the servant setting the expectations within the community the right way where you know you guys are doing such an excellent job i think we, we are in the perfect position to finally start scaling and spreading the word and you know i also think we should be less selfish in keeping the circle small and letting less people benefit from what we have um you know in my opinion we are the oasis in the web3 space where there's not many places where you know you can actually speak your mind and you know where you actually know that things are being arranged to your benefit and not to suck out money of the community so you know by not spreading the word i think we are not doing our potential justice and with that being said um i would say that we dive into um the next lesson with christian he's going to go into our interview type format and leon also has a couple of questions relating to the lesson which we're going to discuss today so tuned for some interesting Q&A. Christian, are you still around? Yes, sir. I'm here. How are you all doing today? Okay. Very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm I am quite excited to talk about uh one of my favorite homeworks. <laughs> Walt Disney <laughs> is uh is kind of an an idol of mine and I learned a lot more about um really what made him the man that that he was um through uh the lesson. Um and I just want to uh also say uh just before we dive in what a pleasure it's been to work together with Leon in the academy, um, at least two thirds of the 
energy that I have gained since being part of VVV has been from trying to keep up with Leon. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he is an, a, a brilliant guy and uh, impresses uh, everyone constantly on the, on the team with <laughs> how quickly and how well he can pull things uh, together that I did not even know were possible. So um, thank you uh, uh, for, uh, you know, allowing me to be part of the team. And, and it's been a pleasure to work with you, Leon. Thanks for the kind words. Um, I didn't know. So Disney, I, I was just going to open up the Walt Disney homework with just a summary of kind of what, I got out of it. Um, and then I know uh, Leon had a, a couple of questions um, and then I'll, I'll dive into my questions too. So I think one of the most impressive things about Disney that I did was not aware of before the, the lesson um, was how much he had had to fight through to get to where he is. And, and this is something that is really reverberates through so many of the lessons that uh, you've put there for us, Sean, is, is how much it takes to get to those, to that great success, you know, the difference between goodness and greatness. Um, and, and I think the more that we get to do through the Academy, the more that we realize this, this isn't about, you know, just one moment in time. This isn't about somebody just grabbed on to something and, and it happened to do well. These these people had to suffer, had to sacrifice, had to go through uh, tragedy and and fail multiple times to then reemerge, still energized with new ideas to make it happen and um, that it's difficult to watch honestly it's difficult to read about you know, what they had to go through and think through would I be able to do that uh, and so I, I think it's it's inspiring but it's also a huge challenge to us as as folks who are seeking to become better seeking to become great seeking to realize our dreams this is not an easy path um, and so I, I think that's what really jumped out at me from reading the the Walt Disney homework is what it took for him to eventually realize that Disneyland, Disney World, and so much of it was after he passed on. And I know this is something that, that you preach about too, Sean, is that you're building something not just for your lifetime, but for multiple lifetimes. And, you know, he didn't even get to see the hugest parts of his success um, because they really happened after after he passed on. So um, I, it's just a, a, a very inspiring lesson to, to read and, and one that challenges me a lot personally. Um, yeah, and you, you know, you, you, made a, you made a really good point. The, the reason why we are studying those extremes is because you cannot pursue balance until you have seen what... The, ex the absolute peak of performance looks like. You, you cannot start out wanting to have work-life balance. Like you have to know what the, what the extreme looks and what it feels like. Because if you want to have whatever degree of success you want to have in life, at least temporarily, you will have to go through this, a similar amount of pain and sacrifice 
as someone as influential and successful as Walt Disney. And it doesn't mean that you have to strive to have the same impact on, on the world and on society, but you still have to be aware of what does it actually take to be successful at the highest possible level. And then, you know, once you know that and once you can anticipate a similar amount of, of you know, requirements, at least you know, through certain periods of your life, then you can decide for your own, okay, to which extent do I want to, to live that life? But you, you cannot go off and not even knowing what the highest peak of performance looks like and then just start out and say, yeah, but I, I want to have work-life balance and I want to have my nine to five and I want to go out on Friday evening and party on Saturday. You know, that, that's, you're going to leave all the potential which you had, you're going to leave all of that on the table by not knowing what's possible, not knowing what's required to actually realize all the potential. Because and I'm going to say what I want to say for the question of exit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Leon, do you want to ask um, your questions? Yeah, sure. So the first one is uh, Walt Disney, Walt Disney's life introduces the question of the role of luck and risk in success. Um, and how much luck is there really in the success of the people we analyze? You know, the thing about luck is that I'm a, I want to use the word believer, but it, you know, it's not really doing justice because I, I don't believe something, but I've, I've actually observed how, how things actually turn out, right? And one of the upcoming lessons which we're going to have, maybe as lesson 10, is the story of Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's. And, you know, he was very old, not very old, but, you know, he was older when he actually pursued the the business of McDonald's, right? And you might always look at things, oh, he got lucky. But if, if you actually look through the story of these guys, and if you know, you know, if you observe how they came about their success, and there might be instances where you, you might be tempted to call, call certain certain things which happened to a certain degree luck, but you will also realize by studying them that these people, they create their own luck. And once you accept that as a reality, then what you will, you know, what you will experience in your own life is the more effort you put out, the luckier you're going to get. And that's something it's super, super interesting. And it's an incredible thing to experience that yourself where you know to give you an, a personal example when i started my my career as a freelancer right i, I put you know i had an immense output of effort uh, you know I, I, I was working like crazy and initially i didn't have any luck you know initially i, I put in a lot of effort in, into certain clients and then they disappointed me you know they, they didn't appreciate my work as much as I would have thought. And I, I was putting in a lot of effort and didn't really see a lot of returns. But then eventually, and you know, for some, and that, that's the degree of luck there is in the world, right? For some, it takes two clients and then they find, they find one which pays them super well, which is super loyal to them. We're working with them as a breeze. And someone else maybe has to go through 10 different clients. 
And for them, it takes longer to then find finally someone who is pleasant and who pays well and, and so on. But eventually, everyone is going to get lucky. It's just a matter of how much effort you want to actually exaggerate. And that's the thing where luck is nothing else but statistics. You know, if you do it often enough, then eventually you get lucky. And I'm not a believer in luck per se, where, you know, things just happen by coincidence. I think, and even if it, you know, even if we go back to the, the, the same example, which I've given now multiple times, even if you go back to the people who like actually get lucky, like in the lottery, it doesn't make a difference. Like, you know, even if they get lucky once, if they haven't been in a position where they actually deserved what they got lucky with, you know, they're going to lose it anyways. So the, the, the luck factor is something which I would, you know, just ignore, just put in enough effort and then, you know, the rest is going to happen by its own. I think uh, that's a really interesting uh, answer and it really resonated with me because um, of something that uh, Naval uh, Ravikant uh, once said on his podcast. He puts it very elegantly. There are four types of luck. Um, and the first uh, type is blind luck. Uh, so hoping that someone will come up to you on the street and gift you a lotto ticket and that will win you a million bucks. And hoping for blind luck is really just foolish. And then there's uh, what you could call stirring the pot luck. That's what you touched on. Uh, it's just a matter of time and a, a matter of how much effort you put in um, until it really works. Then there is uh, something uh, like becoming so good at your trade or your in your um, niche um, that you become sensitive to opportunities. And then it might look like luck to an outsider, but it's actually just experience and knowledge. And that's very much where I see BVV um, with, the, with the lab. And the fourth kind of, of luck is really uh, what you touched on the um, making your own luck, where I think Naval uh, put it, um, there's a deep sea diver and he dives uh, deeper than anyone else. So if someone else finds a treasure and they cannot get to it because they can't uh, dive that deep, uh, they will come to you because you are the, the deep sea diver that uh, is the best one um, and you can get the treasure for them, right? So you kind of made your own luck. Yeah, and that, you know, you're covering like the, the points and how he laid it out is super interesting because, you know, in two years, someone might say, oh, you guys got lucky because you got into Orky or you got into Snickerdoodle. But, you know, trust me, <laughs> you know, there was no luck involved at all in, in finding those projects. The, all of, you know, identifying all those individual projects, which then in hindsight might seem like we got lucky that we got into it. There's a, a lot of effort going into it. And the, the research team knows it best. This, this entire thing is a numbers game. They go through a thousand different projects. Then we find the ones which look promising and then you know, the question is, who do we get a hold of? Like, can we manage to get their attention to invite them to an AMA? Then how does the AMA go? And, you know, how does the data look, which we get presented in the AMA? Does it still look like a good project? And after we are through all those different steps, then finally we maybe arrange an investment. And then the thing maybe 
yields a return after some time. And, you know, there, there's so much effort going into it. Like if, if you still are ignorant enough to then call that luck after we then, you know, potentially had a, you know, a payday from doing so, um, you know, then, then your you worldview is probably skewed. But I also think, you know, even the term luck probably, you know, is the result of a coping mechanism of, in quotes, unlucky people who never put any effort into anything and just want to believe that they are unlucky and, you know, they never can any can have any success because they are just not, you know, made for it. And what I love about the Walt Disney, and, and this is probably going to come up in one of your questions, what I love about the Walt Disney homework specifically is the situation where, um, you know, his, I think he, Walt Disney's previous employer steals the rabbit um, comic character, right? And he has to start from scratch and come up with something new and he has to come up with a new idea. And then he has a, a name for Mickey Mouse, which he came up with. But his initial name for Mickey Mouse was, I think, Mortimer or something, which is like super uh, archaic and not very attractive, right? And, you know, only after some input by someone else, he then actually came up with the name Mickey Mouse. And the result of his bad luck was that he ended up with something which was superior than what he had initially. So a lot of the luck factor also depends on how you inter interpret the things which happen to you because you know he could have taken it as a negative and just drowned himself in self-pity and you know and not become successful at all but he made it he turned it into a positive and he like literally used that as a means to then yeah create something new which then gets in touch with billions of people over the course of the next dozens of uh, years. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I that was actually one of my uh, first questions was because um, I, I the same as as what y'all are both talking about is I'm I'm impressed with how unlucky <laughs> Walt Disney was. Um, he really had to struggle through so many different setbacks and challenges and, and he had to overcome one after another um, and really kind of push all in again with even more energy, with a new idea, with a new plan. He kept um, coming up with these revolutionary things that no one had seen and trying it again. Um, I know, uh, Sean, you've talked a little bit about uh, the setbacks that you've had in, in your own life and, and struggling through those. Um, at, is there, is there a mindset or, or a tool that you would point out to us that has helped you really come back stronger each time? Um, similarly to how Walt Disney handled it and kind of come up with a new idea and reiterate. Cause I, I think that's something like you said, it, it's easy to slide then into, well, I had this great idea or I had this great opportunity and it failed. Woe is me. How, how do you make that turnaround? What, what does it take to, to have a mindset or, or the tool set to, to survive, you know, tragedy or, or 
um, you know, something bad happening over and over again, like what, like Walt Disney had. So I think, so the way I deal with it is, you know, before I put a lot of effort into improving my own character, I think I was naturally a very vengeful person where, you know, I would, the, the thought of revenge, you know, would be something which I would get, get, you know, some degree of joy out of it, right? And I think everyone can probably relate to this where maybe imagine you have a, a boss which is not treating you well and then you imagine winning the lottery and you, you tell your boss to F off, right? And, you know, that kind of thing was something, you know, which I was anticipating, right? And using that energy where something bad has happened and then, you know, what I eventually... Um, went into is something which I would call revenge by success, where you get your satisfaction out of a bad event by saying, okay, because of, because that happened, I'm going to do something else, which is going to have an exponential more positive impact than the negative impact that event had. And, you know, it might not, it might not be like revenge in, in terms of like getting back, um, you know, I'm not sure what the, what the term is in English, but getting uh, getting back to a specific person. You know, it can also be something which you might look at it like the, the universe, right? The universe presents you with a hurdle or with a barrier you have to break through. And then you say, okay, because I, I have to, I had to vent through that barrier. I, I had to overcome that hurdle. Now I'm going to give it my all and I'm going to make this happen in order to, you know, pay it back, so to speak, and to 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 balance the karma into into an equilibrium. And to me, the the easiest thing is to you know you you come across something negative that happens to you, um, and you you have to give it some purpose and make that purpose fuel to do something better and to turn it into something positive. And I, I think Tony Robbins um, elaborates on that a lot more in a, in a, in a more uh, profound way where he says the same thing. If something happens to you, you, if something negative happens, you have to give it a meaning and then you know, do something positive with whatever happened to you. Uh, you know, and it's all, it, it's a lot it's a lot easier said than done. If something like truly bad happens to you, then sometimes it's very very difficult to actually find any positive meaning in it. But the you don't have that many alternatives. You know, there there's not there aren't really any alternatives out there which are beneficial for yourself. So even if you have to stretch it to give it a meaning even if you have to be super creative and it, it might not be the most logical thing, like just, just get your mind to it and just believe in what you're potentially even making up. But, you know, it's a, beliefs are a strong thing. And, it, you know, it, it, you might even dive into topics like the placebo effect and, and things like that. As long as you can give it some meaning and get something positive out of it, then you are greatly, greatly 
reducing the negative impact that event or thing had on you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's such a, um, such so fundamentally a different way to view struggle. That is something that a lot of people don't do is, is viewing it as an opportunity to change an opportunity to grow rather than viewing it as something that, you know, God or the universe or, or, you know, random chance has just thrown at you to make you fail. <laughs> um, and I think that's something that it seems like in many of the lessons we've done really marks champions from those who never quite make it. it it's the ability to take that impetus and bounce off of it in a way that is positive rather than have it just um, roll over you. One of the things that I've noticed really happens to people um, in in business and in academics uh, where, where I operate most is they sometimes come back from these things in a very, well, the world is not fair, so I don't have to be fair um, type mm, yeah, of yeah. mentality. And so I wanted to ask you, how do you balance? So Walt was, was incredibly hard driving in pursuit of his vision. I mean, he came back roaring um, from each of these things and use some pretty um, hard nosed tactics, but also was known to, you know, try to be fair to his employees and, and to, you know, to give benefit to others. How do you balance saying I will succeed and I will not let things get in my way. I will do what it takes to survive, but not become that sort of Machiavellian, you know, it, everything is random. So I don't have to have a value set that I, I stick by. How do you, how do you balance that? Because I'm sure the, the feeling it's is, a okay, super I've been knocked down. I want to achieve. So, you know, it, it's, it's not easy, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's not easy to, to balance that. And it's a, a real, a real risk if, and, you know, in, in psychology, you call it trauma, right? If too much, and, and a lot of this depends on how developed your brain is. If too much trauma happens to you too early, then there's a high probability or a realistic chance that your, your character gets distorted so much that you actually end up with potentially psychopathic traits, which then could even ru ruin your character. So... You know, and and we're going to we're going to open up the uh, psychological section on the server uh, probably after the mint where we are going to like actually go through some psychological tests and you're going to be able to take them yourselves and you're going to see whether you have any of those Machiavellian uh, attributes, for example. And then once you are aware of those attributes and you have identified them, then you can actually start working on them. And you know. The, the, it's it's difficult to 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 balance that. A lot of this again, uh, I'm repeating myself slightly, but to to get to the point, a lot of this depends on how developed your character is. If these things happen to you too early, or if if too if they are too impactful for you to handle them at the time, then there might be still some leftovers today, even if it might have been 
you know, in your childhood, there might still be some leftovers where you still have to catch up and start working on that for you to actually be able to then balance it going forward. Because there's a, there's a fine line where, like I said, you know, you, you can use it. And if you have like a, a tendency to, you know, be vengeful, then you can use it and set the frame up in a way where you get revenge on something or on someone by being successful and you, know, you use it in a positive way. But there's also a realistic chance that if you don't handle things the right way, that you become resentful and that it, that it stains your character. And I think that still can happen even if you had a, a good childhood and everything you know went fine it, it can still happen even if something happens and you're 30 you know if the event is traumatic enough or if the event is emotionally draining enough for you where you know you have to be very very aware and conscious about how you handle something and i had a plethora of you know bad things happened which put me on the verge of maybe becoming resentful and maybe then, you know, shifting my character into a, uh, into a serious, which, you know, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be in, in the position I'm, I am today and I wouldn't have the, the, the level of integrity, which I have. Um, but, you know, uh, I don't want to say luckily, but I'm still going to use the word, you know, luckily I was able to, to handle it in the right way. I was already exposed to some of the, you know, some of the lessons by some, by some experienced people where I was already prepared for something bad to maybe happen. And I, I knew how, 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 I, how I should handle it to, to, to and, you know, it, it sounds counterproductive, but to get the most out of it. So, you know, even if it's not always easy to, to handle it in a professional manner, it's, in my opinion, the only way to do it, because the, the only alternatives, again, are only things which are going to be detrimental to you in, in the medium and long, long term. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, has been most impressive to me in the ethos of VVV and, and the uh, example that you said, Sean, is that so many people who once they reach headship of organizations or they are, you know, the, you know, one of the highest authorities or one of the highest positions, by the time they get there, they've been so jaded and changed by that process that they're no longer just hard nosed. They're numb. Um, yeah. And so I, I think the the ability, I, one of the things that I see so frequently in, in my work is folks who everything that they do is correct. There is no need to challenge them because they were never wrong. They cannot be wrong because their vision is the institutional priority. And I, what is so impressive about VVV that you opened up with before that it seems like Disney also had the tendency to do, and I'll, I'll get into a little bit of question about how to interact with employees and, and staff, but um, is that ability to say, Hey, if there's a better idea in the room or you think I've misstepped challenge me 
and I will accept that challenge. And there are times when it's like um, Steve Jobs said, hey, if there's a better idea in the room, I will accept it. And I'll say that was a better idea and move forward with that idea. And I think that's very, very rare in high performing individuals and those who are in leadership, because there's a tendency to surround yourself with sort of the the majesty of the position and think I am the role. Therefore I cannot, uh, I can't do the wrong thing. And I think some of that comes from just like you said, the process of fighting through so many things that you just stop listening to any message outside of your, your own inner dialogue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the, like you said, you become numb or you, you, you risk by, by pushing too far beyond what what's normal you you know you at some point like if you want to get successful to the degree of Walt Disney for example you know, there's no other way than to go through loads of trauma and to overcome an enormous amount of hurdles and unless you are genuinely a strong character you will get corrupted throughout the process and the worst thing you, you, you currently observe in, in the real world is that weak men end up in positions of absolute power and I don't want to, to, to say specific names to, to not get us cancelled but you know there, there's a, a lot of very obviously weak men in power who the only trade or the only thing which they have is, is the power they carry and they more or less got into those positions through, you know, sometimes even maliciously where that behavior even got rewarded. So now they're in a position where they, you know, they, they deliberately used their bad traits to get there. So it made the, the entire thing even worse because now that behavior has been incentivized a lot. And for them, there's no, you know, no logical reason why you know you would even want to change right so they they had they had been corrupted to a certain degree um or the, their, their character had been stained already and then throughout the process it got it got even worse and i, I had the discussion um yesterday with someone who, who was very deep in, into psychology and he specifically pointed one person out uh, who was uh, very um well a very public person and he pointed out the way the person uses his gestures in interviews that's very childlike. And once you analyze that, it becomes very, very obvious and, you know, how that person uh, interacts in an in interview. And all of that goes back to trauma that person had in his childhood, where if that trauma happens too early, then certain aspects of the character get stuck into uh, get stuck in being a child and a child for example until and I don't, I don't remember the exact age but for a very long time a child does not have empathy so if trauma happens to you too early on you 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 lack the ability to be empathetic so you know in that particular person the, the trait of empathy has never developed. So now you have a, a weak person in a position of power who has no empathy and who has psychopathic traits. 
And that's a, a recipe for disaster. And um, again, that person is very influential, uh, played a big role in, in, in the, the things which happened in the past two years. And, you know, being aware of the specific character traits and, you know, the specific, um, you know, process or happenings which need to occur for, for a person or for someone's character to get there. Um, that's going to give you a lot of perspective on the, yeah, everything that's currently going on. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, and I wanted to take the conversation a little deeper and apply it specifically to uh, how the interaction internally happens. So um, one of the things that I think is, is fascinating about Disney is there is this very wide uh, perspective difference in who he was and how he in interacted with, with people closest to him. You hear everything from he was a father figure, he was warm, he had high expectations, but he was kind, to the man was a demon, you know, racist, horrible, you know, would do, would use you and then cast you out, you know, just ruthless. Um, and one of the things that uh, has been interesting about VVV as it has grown um, that, you know, I, I know um, a couple of times when we've gone into, you know, other discords and said, here's how I perceive VVV from the inside. And here's my experience <laughs> Um, you, you sometimes have other people say, no, that's not what it's like. It's, it's, you know, very inflexible and, and it's, it's ruthless. And, you know, so I'm wondering, A, why do you think that happens? Like that, that wide perspective, why did it happen to Disney? Why does it happen with VVV? And, and two, how do you, how do you balance that? Because you don't want to be seen as either extreme, right? You need to be respected as no nonsense, but you also don't want, or maybe it doesn't matter to have that reputation out there that it's, you know, uh, inflexible and ruthless. I, I was interested in, in your perspective on that specifically, because I know it's, it's a, a mirror of what happens with BBV that uh, was also said about Disney. So John Lennon has a great quote and he says, being honest is not going to get you a lot of friends, but it's going to, to get you the right ones. And that's pretty much exactly what's, you know, I don't want to say what's happened with VV, with VV, but you know, that's pretty much the exact answer to your question, because I've always been honest and I've always called out things which I deemed wrong. And I did that in other communities where, you know, I, I'm not sure how to phrase it, you know, where I had some presence in that community. And then when you start out to point, when you start to point out bad things, or uh, things which were done uh, with malicious intent, uh, which hurt the community as a whole, then you're going to find a lot of strong friends, but you will also upset the ones who are blindly following the leader. And usually 
the, the people who are the most emotional and the least rational, they are also going to be the loudest. And you can see the exact same thing happening in the real world where, you know, the, the, the way in which the society shifts at the moment is where one party is extremely loud and it's exp extremely present on social media and the other counterparty to that is more rational and less loud. And then even if that counterparty speaks up, you know, to the largest extent, that counterparty gets completely canceled out. And you can see the exact same trend in pretty much any other community where if someone raises legitimate concerns, they simply get silenced and banned and canceled. So, the, you know, the first point is that being honest is not something which is appreciated anywhere. Um, if you go into your personal relationships, you know, you're probably not going to be honest all of the time and you're not going to be blunt and straightforward and you're not always going to be um, completely transparent in anything which you say because you know that if you say the thing completely honest, then you potentially upset the other side. And I am the exact opposite of that. I always give it to people straight and that's not something which most people appreciate. And that's, you know, currently we, we have, um, you know, to, to a certain extent, I managed to detach the VVV brand from my, my personal brand or from my personality. So, you know, currently it's not that closely associated any, associated any, anymore where, you know, if someone doesn't like me, they don't like VVV. I think we have shifted from that to, to an extent, um, which probably also goes along with me you know, developing as, as a leader as well, uh, I admittedly was jumping into cold water and I had to, to learn an immense amount of things as well. Uh, I'm not saying that I was a good leader right from the start. Uh, I, I did many things right, but also was maybe overdoing certain things or not doing, you know, certain things in a manner which was, you know, which could have then been more acceptable by other people, uh, especially by those who maybe are more sensitive or more emotional. I know that, you know, not everything was done perfectly, but um, yeah, to, to come back to Walt Disney, the, you know, the different comments about his personality probably, uh, you know, are based on, on two different things. So one is the areas in which you had to, um, the areas in which you had to interact with him you know the 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 degree and i i can i can relate to this from my own experience the, the degree to which you are being planned greatly depends on the um on what's at stake which means the higher the stakes are the more planned you have to be in order for you to ensure the utmost integrity, which then means that it's, it's, you know, the more intense the situation gets, the easier it is to potentially upset someone because the higher the stakes are, the less fluff you can afford in your conversations. So 
you know, when we internally discuss things, I, I'm being very, very straightforward. And I, I don't have, um, you know, I, I don't like to add too much fluff or to, um, you know, to, to phrase things to, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like it in general, but, you know, internally there's, there's definitely a lot more straightforwardness and everything. And I also obviously know that the team is super, super strong. You know, they are very rational. They are very unemotional about the business decisions. So whenever I shoot straight, I know they're not going to get upset or emotional. They're going to, to get the information in the message and they don't carry so much about how the message has been phrased. So, you know, the internal discussions, depending on how, depending on what's at stake, um, you know, they can get very, very uh, blunt and straightforward. And then in an environment like with the community, for example, it, it's still very straightforward. But if, you know, with the announcements, for example, when I know that we have 2000 people reading the announcement, then I have to be super, super thoughtful with every single word which I use and, and writing those announcements takes me literally hours because I know that people read things differently and it's not just about maybe being um, you know too harsh or too straightforward it's also about the interpretation which sometimes you know like with the disqualifiers for example in, in the last announcement I said Disqualifiers are if you never retweet and never interact with us in Discord, for example. And then even that caused some confusion, confusion because um, you know people are used. Some people are used to have it phrased differently. So there, there's a lot of different aspects uh, to consider, and there's a lot of subjectivity attached to everything you do as well. So the, the first is the environment in which you operate or the environment in, in, in which you interact with someone because how they interact will greatly depend on what's at stake. And I think in Walt Disney's case, in, especially in his work, when the stakes were high and when the pressure was high, especially if you have to deliver on a short time frame, then, you know, you, you first of all you lose the the temper for 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 fluff by other people and you also cannot afford to add fluff to the things you say because that potentially could influence the inform how the information of your message is perceived. So if you're being too nice then people might hear something else than what you actually were saying. So you know, to, to eliminate that risk of someone understanding something else, which you didn't even mean, you, you know, you give it to them as, as straight as possible. And then, of course, when the pressure is high and when the accountability and responsibility of individuals has to be high, then that can also lead to, to a lot of friction. And then you have to be, yeah, you, you have to be sure that you pick the right people and you have to be sure that you're still, even under pressure, that you're always being professional, and that's something which is, um, which is very very challenging to learn. But once you get to, once you get closer to mastering that, it's super super rewarding. Because as a leader and as someone in charge, you cannot afford to get emotional, and that's not always possible if if the stakes are high and if you really want to always ensure that things go right and are done the right way. But 
you you very quickly reap the rewards from being unemotional and being professional and from always being the you know being calm when when things are getting um being calm when the storm comes so to speak and you know that's the position which you have which you need to have and then there's the subjectivity of individuals where um and a good example is the sharks for example right anyone who has done well in the shark test i know that they have a high level of appreciation for straightforwardness so to those guys, I can be very straightforward and I know they're going to, to get the message in the right way and I, I don't have to be too careful of how things are phrased and I don't have to worry about their feelings. I know exactly that they will you know, hear what I say for the information and not for the tonality or other nuances. But then there's also obviously other personalities which are more sensitive to how things are being said or how things are phrased. And then... You could give the same message to two different people, but their interpretation is going to be very, very different. The one party is going to be appreciative because you said it in a blunt way and the other party might be upset because you were blunt. So a lot of this is also, you know, uh, again, managing people and having different personalities and just having a dynamic, which is, uh, you know, inadvertently going to um, leave a lot of room for subjectivity yeah i think one of the things that i've really learned from from the lessons and from you sean is is that being successful means being open to criticism and it means being okay with being challenged in some at, at times even very directly very roughly and i think we see um with the students and and I went through the same process of of reading through stories like Tiger or Nick or Steve Jobs and and learning that that toughness is something that is not always inborn. It's something that really has to be developed. Um, but but one of the things that I've really appreciated about uh, that I think some people miss about VVV is that being challenged is never the final word. It, it is not to say, I have now challenged you and you can't say anything. Now, excuses are not really, you know, it or, or emotion, but if you can respond in a way that justifies your position, just like you were talking about at the beginning, that criticism is welcomed um, and debate is welcome as long as it is based in fact and in reality and in something that will benefit the whole. Um, and so I, th I think even those interactions help build us just like for Walt Disney, his difficulties helped build him. We just have to learn how to respond to criticism and hard feedback. Um, because I think some people, that's where they, they jump off the bus. They say, well, if somebody was rough with me, then... Um, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to be treated in that way. And, and I think this goes to, and I'm super excited to hear that we may get to hear from a, uh, a UFC fighter because it really is learning to, to fight for your ideas, um, that will really benefit you so much, not, not just laying down the first time, you know, the gloves come off. So, um, 
I did want to ask a little hey, Christian, bit. Christian, I don't, I don't, yeah, want to, I don't ahead. mean to cut you off, but no, no, uh, I, I have to go uh, because yeah, I have another absolutely. meeting. But um, you know, just in closing, uh, again, Christian, thank you so much for always being available each single Sunday. And Leon, thank, thank you very much for joining us as well today. And thank you both guys for being so diligent with your contributions in the academy. Um, you're pretty much um, the, the backbone of the academy. The, the work of the mentors is super, super important. The interactions between students and the mentors is uh, vital. There, there's, you know, there has to be some degree of quality control where we can actually ensure that everyone doing the lessons actually gets the gets all of the value out of each single lesson. You know, we could very much just for the say for the sake of uh, saving resources, we could just post those lessons and leave you guys, um, you know, at your own and not providing with any feedback. But it's really, to me, it's personally important that everyone like truly gets the messages out of the, out of those lessons. And I was fortunate enough to find Leon and to find Christian where they have the same sentiment. And I can tell to them personally, it's important. They, they truly care for the students. And I think what we have with BBB in general is extremely unique. And I'm also extremely happy that we were smart enough in, in all different aspects to set up the expectations and the incentives in the right way, where like literally every single thing, every single piece of the puzzle has a synergistic effect with the brand as a whole. So, you know, it, it's so super rewarding to see how those individual server sections play along with each other and play into each other, where, you know, we are now in an upward spiral and everything is, is just elevating all the other sections. And to me, that's incredibly rewarding and it's something which truly makes me happy. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to starting with our marketing efforts to spread the word of VVV. And I think it's going to be rewarding for the OGs guys. Because, the, you know, to me, the most satisfactory thing is to see new people get exposed to those lessons and to the, to the culture which we have in VVV and see them get excited about what we have already grown accustomed to. And, you know, by definition, that's also going to rekindle the fire in our own hearts for what we currently have. And I think that's extremely refreshing. And, you know, I think the most important part is that we keep going and that we keep pushing and that we keep spreading the word, the word about VVV because it's, you know, yeah, it, in my opinion, it's, it's really our duty to, to get more people exposed to what we have because it's really to their benefit. And again, we have the, the incentives set up in the right way where if we get more exposure, it's as well to the benefit of the community itself, to our partners, to the brand as a whole. Like it's, it's just uh, incredible what we have. And I'm very much looking forward to the next couple of weeks with you guys and to our five and 10 years plan, which I'm slowly but surely going to uh, open up as well. And you know, then you're probably going to look back and, and you know, say, oh, okay, now, now I understand.
no, that makes sense. Now I understand why he did that exact specific thing. And, you know, stay tuned, guys. Uh, you know, we have a, a lot of super, super great things planned. And you will also see, um, once we have some more AMAs with more guests, you will see the, the people I talk to uh, and the people I connect with all for the benefit of BBV and for the academy and for you know a variety of different a variety of different aspects of vv um you know you will see that we are on the right track and that we have some really really big things coming and that i i do spend more time executing than talking about what we do because it's to me it's more rewarding to just deliver and not pump up uh, the floor price or the expectations without having the substance in place already so again guys thank you for listening in today if you haven't left a retweet or like yet, then please feel free to do so. Your support is very much appreciated. Um, next week, we do have an exciting AMA with Orderly, with the Orderly, Orderly Network. That's on Wednesday, 4 p.m. CET. I very much suggest that you guys show up and join in. It's, again, uh, one of one of uh, the exciting projects which have been discovered and researched by our research team. And it has been a very long process to get these guys to an AMA. It's not always easy to get a hold of them when they are busy, but we finally got them, and I'm very much looking forward to talk to them. And then on November 1st, we have the big event. The secret project has finally been exposed we finally talked to Lillian, and I'm sure it's probably going to be uh, the most exciting AMA we had to date. I'm very much looking forward to talk to these guys and to get the community excited as well. I think the, the scope of what they do is not, not, not clear yet to everyone because it's such a technical project. But you know, once you understand the concept, then you know, you're probably going to have an epiphany of you know, what they could potentially disrupt in the world. So um, thank you guys once again, and I'm looking forward to talk to you during the AMAs, hear your questions, see you put in, uh, input, and then talk to you latest on next Sunday again. Thank you guys. Thank you, Leon. Thank you, Christian. And talk to you next time. This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy, or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published, but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.